Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. With recently finishing up the book of Galatians, we saw how uh, thoroughly and how many angles Paul argued from the scriptures to show people that uh, God saves by his grace. In the book of Romans, we'll do a little bit of a brief overview tonight. It can be considered, the entire book can be considered a legal document. All the foundational truths of Christianity can be found in the book of Romans. It could also be considered our title deed of our future inheritance. Um, so in many ways, it's very legal ass as a legal document it could be considered or a title deed. And what better man for God to use than Saul of Tarsus? Paul, now the spiritual lawyer, if you will, of the New Testament. I find it fitting to be studying the book after we've come off closing out preaching verse by verse through the book of Galatians, because we have a fresh perspective of. Just when you think Paul was done with trying to get them to get the fact that it's grace and not works and not law and you're going to go backward, all that. He hit every single argument and then he hit another one. Because God's just using them. So we're going to see this play out now in the book of Romans. But I asked you to turn to Acts chapter 22 because. I'd like to read a few verses. Look at this, Acts 22 and verse 21. Men, brethren, and fathers, hear you my defense, which I make now unto you. I'm going to give your defense. That's kind of a law-style term, right? Verse 2, and when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they the more, they kept the more silence. And he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers. He's got the law. And was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. Before Paul was saved on that road to Damascus, before he was saved, he was a theological analyst. That's before he came to meet, to meet the Lord. He was zealous toward God. He was devoted to his religion. And we all know that religion always, always enslaves. No matter how good it looks, it always does. And Jesus always saves. And Saul of Tarsus was that perfect example. He knew the law. And what better man for God to use and inspire him to pen down the words we see in the book of Romans. Now go over to Acts chapter 7. Something else that's very 
compellingly interesting about Paul. Acts chapter number 7. Let's start reading at verse 50, uh, 57. They cried. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city. This is Stephen and stoned him. How would you like that to happen to you? Answer, we wouldn't like that or want that to happen to us. Imagine being dragged out and stoned. Well, you really don't have to imagine that, do you? Because it's happening right now. We know very clearly it's happening right now in Afghanistan. Christians are being targeted. Christians are being hunted down. And they're being dragged out and executed. We, we would all agree that's pretty bad, right? We would all agree that those people are wicked. And look at it says in verse 58 in the middle. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. He's standing right there, and it's like he's unmoved by it. That's Saul. I don't like watching any of the stuff that I told you before. I just don't. Because it moves me. I don't like it. But there's Saul. And here's what it says, verse 59. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You stand there unmoved and not saying anything. That's saying everything. Now, certainly many, many Christian mothers have taught their children. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? Moms and grandmoms, especially when brother's picking on sister and sister's picking on brother, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's better to just zip of the lip. But there also is another side to silence. Sometimes people don't say anything and it says everything. And that's the case with Paul. Doesn't move him. He's okay with it. A lady stopped here this, this afternoon when we got here. And she gave a testimony that to me was absolutely horrifying. There was a church in this town in the, in the buckle of the Bible belt. That had a minister deny that Jesus Christ is God. And people sat there. Unmoved. By not saying anything, you say everything. Now she got up and left. You don't you don't need to pray to Jesus. You don't need people sat there like it didn't affect them. God and now God is going to use Paul, Saul of Tarsus, he's going to use Paul. To pen down 
the foundational truths that we need out of the book of Romans. Isn't that amazing what God can do in somebody's life? If you're here this evening, you've got to understand Saul was sincerely convinced in his heart of hearts that what was going on with Stephen getting stoned, he seemed to be okay with. But you could be sincere about something and be sincerely wrong. He thought he was doing the will of God. He even says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. He didn't know, but now he knows, and God is going to use Paul as the spiritual warrior, if you will, of the New Testament. And we'll look at this specifically as we go verse by verse in the book of Romans. He tells King Agrippa in Acts 26 that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And he's pleading and he pleads with King Agrippa. By the end of it, King Agrippa says the most saddest words you can hear in Scripture. I was almost persuaded. Almost, but still lost. In today's age that we live in right now, people have become completely satisfied with man's opinion or their own opinion. The most popular book of the Bible has become opinion chapter one, verse one. <laughs> it's a made up book that we can go to to make up truths about God that aren't truths. And we worship a God that we make up in our own imagination, but it's not God. And Paul tells us exactly who God is and all the foundational truths that we need in the book of Romans. And God's Holy Spirit will inspire Paul to stir up foundational questions and give and give answers from a legal standpoint. And then the book will help us connect the dots concerning the sin problem that all of us have, that mankind has, and the reason for man's separation from a holy, righteous God. And he settles it without dispute. How many of you want your actions brought under the light of God's judgment? Nobody's hand is going up because I don't either, except they are in the book of Romans. And we can see how righteous God is and how unrighteous you and I are. In other words, everybody is found guilty. Every mouth will be stopped. And every person alive, living, will be condemned by God. It's like a judge bringing down the gavel. Everybody's guilty. Everybody's condemned. Every single mouth will be stopped as the gavel comes down. 
And God, what happens is, you know what he gives the Gentile? He gives the Gentile, we'll see through the book of Romans, the testimony of creation. And you know what the Gentile doesn't do? They don't respond to that testimony of creation. The creator gave the created, that's us, an intelligence. And we don't respond to the testimony of that creation. And you know what the result is? Idolatry. We're going to see all that play out in the book of Romans. God created a man and a woman to come together. When you start messing around with that order. You have failed to respond to the created testimony that God has given. We'll see many examples of this as we go through the book. That was the Gentile. They got creation's testimony. Ah, but guess what the Jew got? The Gentile got creation. The Jew, oh boy. You know what they got? The law. They got the testimony of God's law and God's righteous requirement. And all the Jews knew that they broke the law, yet they didn't respond to that testimony. You fellows all know you're guilty, right? No, we're Jews. No, you're guilty. On one side, you've got the creation giving testimony, no response. On the other side, you've got those that have the law not responding. Guilty as charged. Everybody is condemned. The Gentile without the law is condemned by God. The Jew with the law is condemned by God. And that's why the Bible says, for there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We'll also see in the book of Romans, God's dealing with the nation of Israel. And why that nation is set aside for a time. We'll see those things play out through the book of Romans. Why will be addressed as we go through this overview and introduce this book. The why of salvation. Why? Because by nature, what are we? By nature, there's no life left in us, no spiritual life. There's no righteousness in us. Thus, we need salvation. People say, well, I have life. I'm alive. Yes, you are alive. And this is why Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, lays out what all that means. You have physical life given you by God. But you're also dead in trespasses and sin. But wait a minute, I'm alive. How does that work? Because your body isn't you. Your body's the building that houses your spirit and your soul. Three, you have a body, which you tend to take care of first. And then we have a spirit and a soul. We die, our spirit goes back to God, our body goes in the dirt. 
And guess where our soul goes? That would be heaven or hell. So are you alive or are you dead? Your soul, if you're saved, you're alive. But if you're not saved, you're dead in trespasses and sin. Paul's going to lay all that out. Why we need salvation. How? How about the how of salvation? How does God meet the great need that mankind has? What has God done for us? I'll tell you what he did. He gave life. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How many of you like to get gifts? Young people. Would you turn a gift down? God offers the gift freely whosoever will all lays out the whys and the hows the wages of sin is death i spoke to someone last night i believe it was at the fair and josiah was with me i don't know if he heard the conversation he was giving tracks out to some folks and this person i gave them a gospel track and i said Good news of Jesus Christ. And he took the track and he said, I don't believe any of that. Oh, okay. Why not? He said, well, because when I was 10, I was diagnosed with schizophrenia or something he had. I think it was schizophrenia. That means the first thought I had is, I wonder if he's going to like flip out and hit me or something. I mean, I, I didn't know where he was going. But he legitimately had it. And so I tried to explain to him the reason it's not God's fault. His argument was, God did this to me. Why? I don't believe in any of that junk. And I tried to calmly explain to him. That the wages of sin is death. We all have something that in our bodies that isn't going to work right. And I said, I'm sorry. Do you have that diagnosis? And I went on to tell him about sin and God's remedy for sin and how God loves him. And how it's not God's fault. It's man's fault because we've sinned. We talked for a little bit. Conversation didn't go south, but he eh, and walked away. Now, he did keep the gospel track, so hopefully he reads it and meditates on it. But we don't have righteousness. We don't have life. And what God did for us is he imputed his righteousness to us. It's given. And we're not made righteous. We get his imputed righteousness. Romans is going to lay that out. We'll see that as we go through the book. Also, we'll, we'll learn what God does through us. That means our life should be lived 
for ourselves or for him? For him. His righteousness radiated by us. What do you radiate? It's a tough question, isn't it? I'll tell you. If you've been born again, you've got the indwelt Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit can rule your life if you allow it. With God's help and his people helping you. His righteousness, that's what God longs to do through you, through you, through me, through all of us. He longs for his righteousness to be radiated through his people. All this shows what God has done for mankind, in mankind, and through mankind, through the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this. Isn't it the church nowadays really thinks in terms of programs and methods? What program can I create? What method can I use to try to reach somebody? Try to get somebody to come to church. Try to get somebody to trust Christ. Well, what God did through his son wasn't a program. What God did through his son wasn't a method. What God did through his son was a provision for mankind. And we were given the Holy Spirit to work through us. God gave us his imputed righteousness so that we can live a holy life. And we should reflect our new position because we are new creatures. We saw God's relation shipped to us in the sense of what he did for us, what he what he did in us, what he wants and longs to do through us. And all of that will play out as we go through the book of Romans. I want to give you one, one last thought here. Get in your Bible, Matthew chapter 11. I want to look at it from our relationship to him, to God. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Matthew 11, at the end of the chapter, the Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean and learn, I'm sorry, of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. From the standpoint of our relationship to him, you know, we are to come unto him. That's why it says, Jesus says, come unto me. Who's the initiator? God is. And God, Jesus Christ, said, come under them. People are so easily pulled astray. They'll come unto about anything except holiness and righteousness. 
and God. <laughs> but when we think about this thought coming unto him, Isaiah 45, 22 says, look unto me, be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. God desires, he wants everyone to be saved. He wants to have a relationship with everyone. From the standpoint of our relationship to him, we need to come unto him. He said, whosoever will. So we are to come unto him. We are to live in him. If you would, get John chapter 15 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. John chapter 15. And then 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. John chapter 15 Verse number four, the Bible says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Anybody want to guess how we are to live in him? Christ. Maybe a better way, I kind of phrase that a little incorrectly. Maybe a better way to say it is. Our relationship to God, we need to abide in him. We abide in anything else, not going to work. Second Corinthians 5 says, therefore, verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold. All things are become new. So we are told in John chapter 15 to abide in him. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things are become new, except most people you talk to and they say, well, I'm a Christian. Old things haven't passed away. Because they're still abiding in Budweiser and they're still abiding in all the ungodly uh, music and movies that they get off of Netflix and wherever else they get all of it. And they're submersed in a pool of wickedness that comes in through earbuds, that comes in from screens and monitors into our eyes, and it gets into our mind and our, our hearts, and we're abiding in all of that stuff, and we wonder why we can't get any victory. Because the victory is in Jesus. You can't be living in the world and expect to abide in Christ. Now, you might have the Holy Spirit if you're saved, but you're not getting victory over anything because you are not abiding in him you're not tapping into his holy spirit are you a new creature if you're saved you are act like it now if you're not saved you're not a new creature you're an old creature and the book of romans lays out why you're guilty before god 
because you've sinned, but God made a way, sent his son to die on the cross to make payment for your sin and for mine. Then three days and three nights later, he rose again, defeated death, conquered the grave. The only one that could do it. And he offers salvation because your sin debt is paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's only by his merit that you can get to God. You are to come unto him. You are to live in him. And you can't live a Christian life unless you abide in him and live in him. The Bible says in Romans 8, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. We'll see all that play out as we go verse by verse through the book of Romans. But one more thing I'd like us to consider tonight. We'll lay just a brief overview. We are to work for him. Get 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, or stay there and just uh, consider this. How many of you young people have ever, ever had a job? Put your hand up if you've ever had a job. Okay, good. You should all have your hands up because I'm sure your parents have given you jobs. Okay, have you had a job? Now, think in your mind, who gave you that job? Yeah, you got that? Now, were they working for you or were you working for them? You were working for them. So if, if mom gave you a job, young people, and if mom said your job is to vacuum the living room, and then when you're done vacuuming the living room, I would like you to wrap the cord up nicely and put the vacuum away in the closet where it belongs and you say to mom no i think i'll do it this way i think i'll really not vacuum i think i'll sweep because kind of i like to sweep better and i really don't want to put it back in the closet because i kind of like it over here so that's what i'm going to do now wait a minute who works for who? <laughs> who works for who? The child was given a job by mama, and the child works, gets to work for mama. Who are you working for? Yourself or for somebody else? When you go and have a job and you have a boss and the boss says, I want you to put 50 beans in that jar and then I want you to close the jar up and seal it. And that's what that's what we're going to how we're going to sell it. And then we're going to put a label on it that says. Good green beans. And you tell the boss. You know, I never really liked the number 50. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking we put 60 in there, 40 in there, anything but what you asked me to put in there, boss. And the boss is going to say, uh, how about you pack your things and I'll pay you for half a day's work and see you by. Because who are you working for? The boss. Second Corinthians chapter five. 
Look at verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. We are to work for him. We are his ambassadors. How dare we? He reconciled us to God. He made a way for our sins to be forgiven. And when God asks us to do something as Christians, we say, well, you know, God, I kind of think I have a better way. I don't really want to stop listening to that. I really don't want to stop looking at that. I really don't want to. Wait a minute. Who's working for who? Are we are we ambassadors for Christ? Or are we ambassadors for ourselves? In the business world, we call that, well, you go be self-employed. <laughs> if the boss is so mean. And so you go and you become self-employed and you realize how hard that is. In the religious world, you know what we call that? They don't like what God says. They don't like what the Bible says. So they create their own little religion. And you end up with some cult leader in Guyana that has people drink Kool-Aid. That's what happens. <laughs> they made up a God in their own mind. I ain't drinking Kool-Aid. <laughs> it's got that dye stuff in it. It's not supposed to be good for you. <laughs> you end up with some cult leader in Siberia who thinks he's Christ. Because we fail to work for him and we are his ambassadors. And Paul is going to lay all of this out in the book of Romans. Our relationship to God and God's relationship to mankind. Sin, guilt, condemnation, justification. It's all going to be there. It doesn't matter if you're a Gentile and you've got creation as a testimony that you refuse. Or if you're a Jew and you have a law and you fail to see how it brings you unto condemnation, Romans will show that all of us have come short of the glory of God. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.